Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. My name is Kasha and today I'm speaking to Nanhantha Ambrose from Africa Foundation. Africa Foundation is NBeyond's community development partner of choice. It was created to uplift, upskill and empower people living in key rural communities close to conservation areas. And the Africa Foundation focuses on healthcare, education, rural business development and conservation. Welcome, Manhanta. Uh, thank you so much, Kesha. Thank you for having me this morning. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Now, Nani, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is your journey, um, your background, and how did you come to be working for Africa Foundation? <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try and uh, summarize it. So um, I come from... <laughs> I come from a, a small city, well, the second biggest city in Zimbabwe, Blauayo in Matebeleland South. Born there, um, did my education there, got married and then moved to Victoria Falls where my husband was working. Um, he then got a job with and Beyond in South Africa in Pinda and we moved uh, in yes. 2018. And when I got to Pinda, I was introduced, it was my first time being introduced mm -hmm. to and Beyond and the amazing work that they do. A few months down the line, I also got a job and I was lucky or fortunate enough to, that my office was right next door to the Africa Foundation office. And uh, with constant interaction with Peggy Nduli, who is the regional manager for mm -hmm. uh, KZN, I got to love uh, the work that Africa Foundation does. And fortunately for me, the general manager at the time, Jane Bragg, was very accommodative. And I guess she saw that I was very passionate about people and the community, that she allowed me to take along with Becky whenever there was a chance. Whenever my work was done, she would give yeah. me the car and say, go, you can go with Becky. So I found I spent a lot of my time mm -hmm. doing community work with Becky. And when, um, and when, um, and when there was a vacancy for um, a bursary program manager, it was no brainer that I needed to apply because at the time I, I knew so much and I loved it. And um, I had started a few projects within Pinda as well, you know, raising funds, um, I remember one of my very successful projects was um, raising funds to um, buy uh, winter uniforms for the um, special school um, called Kulane that uh, accommodates kids with special needs. And we were able to, to provide jerseys, mm -hmm. uh, school uh, shoes, um, uniforms and blankets because a lot of them are on wheelchair and um, for winter they would need a little blanket yes. to cover their, their, their legs. And, and from then, you know, I, I really spent a lot of my time thinking, how can I do something for the community? How can I touch somebody's life? And when the, the vacancy for the bursary program mm -hmm. officer came up, I applied. I took a chance and I applied and I got the job. It moved to Joburg. That was in 2018, seven years ago. And um, so ever, ever since then, your role is um, 
you are the program manager for the Community Leaders Education Fund, or CLEF. Um, what is CLEF and how does it work? So uh, CLEF is an abbreviation for the bursary name, which is uh, Community Leaders Education Fund. It's quite a long name, but um, mm -hmm. every word in that name has um, value and, and substance to it. So it's, it's a community bursary, mm -hmm. meaning it's only available to our rural communities that um, neighbor our, our um, game reserves. So you find the bursary is only offered, just like with all our pro uh, projects, uh, to communities that border and beyond properties. Um, it's an yes. education fund. It's designed to inspire and uh, to um, motivate leadership amongst young people through education. And um, it, it, it came about by the realization that um, educating the rural young people will ensure that all the other projects that NBEYOND uh, and Africa Foundation are involved in in the community are actually sustainable. Because if the people are educated, then they're able to really appreciate what it is that um, uh, this organization is bringing to them and what it is that they actually need. Mm -hmm. So the, the bursary was founded in 1996. It was actually one of the first projects that Africa Foundation embarked on. And it's been in existence since then. Mm -hmm. So it's quite a long-standing project. It is. It is. Um, we've had over 2,000 um, beneficiaries over the years uh, that we have funded through their university education who are now doctors, uh, teachers, social workers, different careers throughout the, the five countries mm -hmm. where there is being offered. That is in South Africa, Tanzania, Kenya, Botswana, and Namibia. That's, that, that's a really impressive number. Um, now, Nani, the role that you play in this program um, as program manager, it's pretty extensive and it covers pretty much everything from sitting in on the initial interviews um, when students apply through to providing support during their studies and actually being them, there for them at every step up, up until graduation. What does CLEF mean to you personally? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, a it's, it's a tough question, but it's also an easy question. I, mm -hmm. I, I I cannot imagine my life without my babies. You know, when I talk of my babies, I talk mm -hmm. about all the young people that I have to mentor, all the young people that I have to guide through this process. Um, I can never mm -hmm. describe myself without including Clef, without including the many young people that uh, I care for. So it means a lot yes. to me. It's it's who I've become. It's part of who I am. I'm a mother of three. I've got three beautiful girls. But currently, in 2020, I have 104 kids. All of them that I know by name. I know <laughs> what is going on in their lives. And over and above mm. that, I have others that have gone through the program that I still know where they are today. 
and yeah. I am well aware of what is happening in their lives. So it has become who I am. For me, it's given me the opportunity to actually touch somebody's life, to make a difference in a family, to being that catalyst for change, um, giving them hope in a hopeless situation, working with them through that journey to say, it is possible. Young girl, young boy, it's possible. There is a bigger world beyond your current poverty, your current you know, situation, dire situation where there isn't any source of motivation. I've become that for them. And I cannot see myself without um, giving that to the communities that we work in. And Nani, that's a tremendous amount of dedication and definitely it's obviously something that you dedicate yourself to wholeheartedly. You speak about giving hope um, and about actually changing lives. How significant do you feel is the role that education can play in solving so many of the problems that rural, rural communities in Africa face on a daily basis? You know, to to actually quote from um, our leader, the late Nelson Mandela, he said, education is the most powerful weapon which you can mm -hmm. use to change the world. The power of education extends beyond just the skills we need for the economy, uh, Kesia. It is the, um, the weapon or, um, mm -hmm. for lack of better word, it is what gives someone um, hope to change their lives. It is the gateway that opens someone's mind to the world out there, to the possibilities that are out there. It is what gives them um, the zeal or the drive to actually want more out of life. It's what is going to empower the world. It's what is going to change our communities positively. It's what is going to develop Africa in the world over. It gives you that sense of discipline. You know, I find in communities where we, we've had Claire for a number of years, dialogue even with the community leaders, even with the young people there, is much more smooth because they understand what is happening world. Their, their, their minds have been opened to mm -hmm. the possibilities that they are out there. And when you come up with ideas of what um, can be done in their communities, they are the first ones to run with it. They are the first ones to see beyond, you know, what you are even proposing because of education. So it, besides it, um, being a very strong instrument in um, eradicating poverty. It gives that sense of accomplishment, which every young person should have. It's good for the economy. My CLEF students are contributing to, the, um, to their countries, you know, through being uh, responsible citizens that are actually paying tax, that are feeding their families, that are visible role models back in their communities and that are making decisions in their environments where they are now leaders in, the, in their certain industries.
you know, and that's education. Mm. So education really becomes the, the means for transformation in that context. It is, it is, and for sustainable development as well. So it's absolutely crucial that the whole role of, of education and more specifically of tertiary education as well. And it really, you know, it sounds so simple. A, a student can get a cleft bursary and, and go on to study. But for many of the young people that you work with, actually getting the bursary is just the first step in a long and difficult journey. What are some of the challenges that these students face coming out of the rural communities and going into a town or a big city to study? And how do you help to overcome those? So to take it a step back, how the, how the bursary works is that we, we, we send applications to the rural areas. So physical copies are sent to the schools, they are sent to the clinics, they are sent to the uh, tribal authorities where, you know, the community can easily access uh, these applications. Yes. And then the young people fill in these applications. They are sent back mm -hmm. to um, our head office where all Africa Foundation staff get an opportunity to review an application. So we always make sure that at least a application is um, reviewed by at least three people. And then we have a scoring system that we, we use. Yes. And once we've scored, we then look at the funding that we have and then decide how many we can call for an interview. So we are always limited about the, by the funding that we, we have in, 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 the, in the bag in a certain time. Otherwise, the need is greater. Mm -hmm. And once we have that, we then call them for an yes. interview. But the interview actually takes place back in their rural areas. And the panel consists of myself, the regional manager of Africa Foundation for that region, and beyond uh, managers, local leadership. It can be mm -hmm. an Induna or a representative from the leadership structures that's been elected by the Induna to come and represent him on that uh, panel. We always also invite teachers, maybe a principal or mm -hmm. uh, a nurse, but someone who has a leadership role in the in the community to sit in that panel why we do that one is for transparency two mm -hmm. it's because it is a community bursary so the community needs to be involved in decision making and the third most important reason yes. why for me i i need the community present is that you always get a deeper insight into that young person that by just talking to them or by just analyzing their application you can never get the understanding so it's when you received simpiwa's application that looks beautiful on paper but when you sit with mm -hmm. this young person and you're now interviewing them and they can hardly open their mouth it's only when the community then tells you that actually simpiwa uh, lost the only surviving guardian, you know. Yeah. They've been often for a very long time, but their neighbor took them in. But two weeks ago, that neighbor passed away. So you, you get a deeper understanding on what is happening in that young person's life. And you make a decision knowing what the impact of a bursary would do yeah. for that uh, young person. And so once we've gone through that process, we then go back again with the scoring that we've done in the, on the interview and then make our short list. Also looking mm -hmm. at the funding, how much have we got and how many people, uh, young people deserve the bursary, how many of them really you know, need it. And then we make that selection once their final results have come out at the end of the year. 
So once that's done, we then call again the community and introduce them to the successful uh, learners. This is so that they can be accountable back to their communities so that the community also knows who has benefited from that. And so that the young people that are still in school can also be motivated to work harder, knowing that this is possible. Look at Simpio, he is now going to go and study medicine in mm -hmm. University of Cape Town. Look at Arnold, he is now going to study veterinary science in um, Kisi University, you know, from Maasai community. Yeah. So we do that uh, so that everyone is involved in the process. Going back to your question, you... Yeah, about the challenges of, 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 of actually starting that university life and, and fitting into it. Yes. So the number one challenge that um, the successful candidates um, come across is um, getting support from their families to go to university. I know for, for, for you, Cash, and for the listeners, they might be saying, what is yes. uh, Noni talking about? Yeah, obviously, it, it sounds obvious that, that the family would support it. But no, the family is thinking, Simpiwe, you are now 17. You are now old enough to actually find a job as a domestic worker or start weaving mm. baskets, if that's what the family does, and we start selling those. Or maybe actually get a husband who can, you know, pay Lobola and um, we can use some of those cows to support the family. You now want to go on mm -hmm. and study again and still take the bit of resources that this family is struggling with so that you go and get an education. And education for what? I mean, why are you yes. being selfish? I've had conversations with parents where they would say that is actually a selfish decision from this child. You know, we've looked after her or him for so many years. Why can't he, you know, take, you know, lessen the burden from the family and go and find a job? So that's the number one obstacle. Mm -hmm. And through our intervention and talking to the family and making them understand that, you know, what Simpio is going to be able to support the family even much more yeah. better with the skill. The next obstacle is when they get to university. It's the first time being outside their rural communities. It's the first time in a big city because all universities are in big cities. Mm. It's the first time interacting with other uh, students from mm -hmm. different backgrounds that are not similar to them. They struggle. It is a challenge for them to fit in. It is a challenge for them to assimilate. A small little thing that you and I, if you've never been exposed to, the use mm -hmm. of a cell phone is something that they've never used. And you get to university, everything is online. You've never used a cell phone, now you're expected to. And not only that, there are all these kids from different backgrounds that small things like clothing, the way they are dressed, is very far from, from what mm -hmm. you are wearing. And you find some of our students really struggle. So mm -hmm. besides just the, the funding mm -hmm. that Africa Foundation awards to the students, is the psychosocial support that we give to them that makes the bursary a success, that mm -hmm. makes sure that our students actually make it through this very difficult time. So you find during that time, the first three months of the year, my phone is 
on uh, on loud 24/7 whether i'm in a meeting on loud and i walk into a meeting and i tell them if my phone rings i will have to answer it because i'm expecting to stress calls and i have to be there i do not want them to get to a point where they feel you know there is no one to talk to so i make sure that i'm available 24/7 i'm there to answer the phone i'm there to guide them i'm there to sometimes to just tell them it's going mm-hmm. to be okay today you had a rough day yes you missed three of your lectures because you couldn't find the the, the lecture room you know because the university is a city on its own it's bigger than dugu it's bigger than um <laughs> it's bigger than uh, moya mayoka you know in in in, in so they they get lost even just figuring the compass <laughs> they do get lost and i get those calls where i missed my lectures today because from the one i couldn't get to the other i didn't know where it was yeah. so Absolutely. that is another obstacle but once we 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 go through that mm-hmm. they sell they do so well and after a few uh, months you find even the family starts to understand what is going on you know because we share with them the excitement we share with them the results mm-hmm. we share with them how their child is actually doing in university so that we help them get to understand so that they are able to uh, you know support future generations or to actually talk to their neighbors about the importance of sending their kids to university so those are some of challenges that our learners uh, go through circling into the environment the university yes. environment uh, being mm-hmm. away from home it's a cultural shock and the lack of support really from um, their guardians their parents and we find as africa foundation we take that role it's really quite it's quite an extensive role to take but i can imagine as as you have more and more students coming through um does it help to to build the understanding of the significance of education in the communities you know over the years kashia we we the bursary started in kzn in 1996 and moved to um bomalanga 2 years later so you find in south africa our communities uh, have a better understanding but i remember when we first introduced it in mm-hmm. in kenya it was a, it was a challenge firstly i wasn't allowed to to address anything because one i'm a woman a woman doesn't stand and talk to mm-hmm. the community you don't get to address the community and secondly i am bringing something that's going to disturb the cultural norm as we know it i'm now mm-hmm. saying girls must go to school <laughs> what, what am i talking about am i you know bringing about a rebellion spirit <laughs> but with time <laughs> with time we 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 actually had our first female graduate from our um, Kenya communities from our Masai Mara communities uh 2 years ago and she later got funding from the government to pursue a master's degree and she's now celebrated in the community but i remember sitting in that meeting and really digging deep and this was the second day yeah. you know the first day i wasn't allowed to talk on my second day I was trying to think okay if they do give me an opportunity how do I speak so that they understand me you know I cannot just believe this needs to happen and I remember saying okay saying, um, 
girls need to be married. You know, they are source of cows, and that's what you've always known. So imagine Naomi when she comes back with a degree in um, in education. Instead of 10 cows, that young man that wants to marry her, you can now ask for 20 because she's educated. She's going to benefit that family even more, not just with kids, but with salary too. And unorthodox mm -hmm. as it sounds, but it got them to listen to me. <laughs> got them to listen to me and to accept what I was, I was bringing to the table. And you have to put it in, in terms that are meaningful to that to that person or that community you're speaking to. Yes, because to, to, to come with the whole statistics, you know, it's going to eradicate poverty. It's a basic human right. That does not fly in our communities. You mm. need to speak to your audience. Yes, who you are speaking to. You need to understand what they are and what they've always been. Because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of culture. I'm also a huge fan of empowerment, and I believe the two don't have to be separate. Mm -hmm. Still follow culture and still be empowered. The two can work well together. And, and I think there's value in education because it helps preserve the cultural norms that we love, that are good for us. And it helps us mm -hmm. question the ones that are actually abusive in nature. And how can we make it better? And how yes. can we change them? So it's, it's not always easy, but with time, you find communities open up and um, you find they're actually mm -hmm. the ones driving. They're actually the ones phoning to say, you know, it's September. We haven't seen Noni. When is she coming? You know, I get messages like that. <laughs> uh, and then I know that, you know what, we've actually made an impact. But a lot of the success actually lies on the, those first candidates that we, we select, you know, I, with them and really make them understand that mm. it's not just about them. They are the ones that are going to change the way their community views education. They are the ones that are going to actually make or break, you know, how it's, it's received. So there's a lot of pressure, but I, I guide them through it and just say, remember, you're not doing this for you. You're doing it for all the other young girls that are still in primary school that will most probably, if you do not succeed and make a success of this, will most probably be married off before they even get to high school or will most probably be denied the opportunity to further their mm -hmm. studies and be told to go and head cows, you know, in, in the case of boys. And I am happy to say that in, in all our communities, those mm -hmm. first groups of students have gone on and held on to that and made a success of it such that, you know, we've had celebratory uh, parties in the communities when they've graduated, where the whole community comes together, and they lift them up with, you know, light and goodness and celebrate their success. And it's such a beautiful time to, to be there and, and experience that. Oh, it must be truly special. Now, in, in general, um, the pass rate for the CLEF students is really very high when compared with national averages in, in countries like South Africa. And what do you think that it is that makes the CLEF project such a success? And what is it that makes it really unique? The success of the CLEF program lies mainly on the psychosocial support that we, we provide mm -hmm. our students. Unlike many bursaries, we do not just fund them. We do not just give them money. 
and expect a miracle and expect them to mm -hmm. the, the the funding the the dollars to actually drive that student to succeed yes. we are there every step of the way to make sure that that uh, student succeed so I, I mentioned earlier that you know my phone is is always on you know i i carry two phones around my personal phone mm -hmm. and my my kids phone so that i'm accessible and it's that support that we provide remember they are coming from backgrounds where yes. they are most probably the first ones to go out to go to university so even for those few students that have parents that want them to go to university the parents do not have the knowledge of how to support them because they themselves are not educated they do not know what this university is and if ever it's going to do anything so they do not have the right words or do not even know how to support these uh, young people yeah it's just not in their experience hmm. yes it's it's not in in mm -hmm. their dna they've never experienced it so we provide mm -hmm. that support and number two it's because the program has been running for a, a, a number of years we have an alumni and we have what we call a body system within the university first year students mm -hmm. they'll be paired with the second year or third year student depending on who is there in your university so our first year students when they go to nairobi university i quickly look on our database who else is in nairobi university who else is doing the same course that uh, this first year student is doing and then pair them together we call that a body system so that yes. when they cannot reach me or when, you know, they are, as, as young people, there are certain things that they will relate amongst themselves. We have created that platform that they have someone who can yeah. walk that journey with them, who's mm -hmm. been through it. We can then say, you know what, this is how you can avoid this. This is these are the best times to go to the library if you want to access the computers. Mm -hmm. If you want books, this is where you need to be. And then with our alumni, these are mostly the ones that are now working, that are now managers of corporates, that are now you know, running their own businesses. We also pair them with current students that are still studying, who are mm -hmm. studying the same uh, sort of courses that they, they studied, so that they can help them through the studying process and the mentorship to you know, encourage them. Yes. When do you send out your 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 applications for, say, articles? If you are doing chartered accounting, when do you start approaching firms? If you are you are studying law, in which firms should you be approaching? So we found that mm -hmm. that network has helped in shaping the success of the CLEF program. And um, talking about the pass rate, hey, when we talk of a 98% pass rate, it's not because the 2% mm. of my babies don't pass. No, the 2% also pass, but maybe they might have to rewrite one module here and there. The 98% pass rate is within a set time without any rewrites. Mm -hmm. But you never give up on anyone. No, I've never left anyone behind. The ones that struggle a bit, I always say you need to share your results with me. You get a zero, you let me know. And they look at mm -hmm. me, you know, in the in the workshop when I say this, and they're like, but why should we tell you when we've gotten a zero in an exam? I was like, because the day that you get a 2%, I'm the first one celebrating, telling the whole office that you know what, Simpiwe, 
started with a zero and now we are on 50%. I celebrate with you. And, mm. and when they are struggling, it's important that they let us know because we can then mm. contact the university and find out what other extra lessons, what's happening, what other mentorship programs involved in. And then we enroll, mm. what can we do to help? And we find that helps. So the relationship that I have with all the universities is such that I get the results of our students before they even send them to me. So by the time Simpiwa decides to send me her 5%, I already have it. So I know that there's a problem. So you're already prepared. Yes, I'm already prepared. I'm already working with the university, with the lectures to find out where are the challenges? How can we help this young person? Mm -hmm. Because failure is not an option. There is a lot riding on their success. Unfortunately, you know, with the setup, you can never uh, just be successful for your own good. There's always the extended family that's <laughs> relying on you. You know, we talk of black text that's relying on you to look after them. <laughs> that's that's a that's a reality. And uh, we had an independent study that was done five years ago. All of our students that have gone through our program are supporting their families. They are supporting mm -hmm. at least 10 family members. So some, they have started their own, you know, families, but they're still supporting back home. So there's still that link. And for us, it shows that we will continuously have visible role models because the more that they do back in their communities, it becomes a, a visible a sign of success to say, you know, so-and-so went to university and look, wow. instead of them staying in a muddy hall, is built actually a nice brick home for his grandparents. Uh, Luke Soreto went to university and is now driving a car. So it's mm -hmm. possible. It's possible. This thing is actually a reality. It can happen. And do you find that a lot of your students actually go back to the to the communities that they came from after their studies? Or is it more of a case of once they've tasted the city life, they sort of move on and and tend to move into the cities and work in the cities themselves? So in the, in the beginning of the program, a lot of the, the, the students used to apply for um, mm -hmm. courses uh, in, in education, nursing, social work. Those are some of the professions that can be done back in their communities because there's schools, there's clinics in some communities. But over the years with exposure, with a number of people getting educated in the communities, you find our students are, are dreaming big. I mean, we have space geodesists in our programs, something that I didn't know existed as a career. <laughs> but obviously for someone like that, they cannot work, mm -hmm. they cannot go back and work in their community. But what we found <laughs> is that they always go back to the community. Yes. They may course. be in they may be in big cities, but when you ask them where mm -hmm. is home, you know, it could be just in a conversation where I'm I'm chatting to one of them who is um, a lawyer. And I'm like, okay, so Easter is coming up. What are the plans? And the response is, I'm going home. And I'm like, home? Like, yes, I'm going home, home, home. So home is back in the, in the rural areas. It's like they're in town mm -hmm. just for work, but home is back where they come from. So the, none of them have ever, that I am aware of, because um, on an annual basis, I make sure that I talk to yeah each and every one of them to find out where they are 
and and you know what they're doing mm -hmm. none of them has ever indicated that they've cut ties with the community where they come from i am aware mm -hmm. of those that have even brought about development in their community there's one um young mm -hmm. person who studied law and actually wrote a letter to the president back then it was tabombeki about the state of their community in Sabisens, just outside the Sabisens Game Reserve. It's from Huntington. And the fact that there was wow. no water, there was no roads. Right now, Kes, mm -hmm. you can actually drive from all the way from Hazyview right up to the Sabisens gate on a tarred road. Mm -hmm. And there's water. Water, there's boreholes. There is water in that community. The president actually responded to that letter and made mm -hmm. sure that that developed. So we, we are sitting with people that are really contributing to their communities one way or the other. I know that there's a group of them that also go back to their communities just before the final exams, the O-level exams, you know, distribute calculators, offer, you know, math lessons. And these are people that are now fathers, managers, CEOs, but they all take a week uh, in September to go back to their community and actually offer that service for the young people. So that link is very much stronger as they become successful, mm. which is, is very good, which is just amazing. Yeah, that's that's really fantastic to hear. Now, Nami, so motivation is obviously key for the CLEF students. And from everything that you've said, you play a huge role in keeping them motivated and you know, making sure that they that they stay that way. But where do you find energy from yourself? How do you manage to stay motivated in the face of such huge demands on your time and your resources? It's 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 not easy, Cash. It's tough. It's it's draining. But as a mother, there is no load that's too heavy for you to carry. And um, I honestly, all my motivation. Or mm -hmm. my reason to get up every morning and want to do this to my students they make it worthwhile <laughs> they give so much when i look at where they come from the circumstances that they come from some of them abusive you know families backgrounds but they mm -hmm. still make it in life that motivates me that gives me the reason to wake up and want to touch somebody's life, to leave this world a better place than I found it, to make my mark because they, they give me that. So it's a, it's a give and take situation. They take in the years of their education, but when they succeed and they come back in their beautiful flashy cars, just to come and show me and, um, when they phone me and put me on video, when bricks are mm -hmm. being delivered, you know, at their grandparents' home, and they remind me of a conversation that we had to say, remember, ma'am, I told you that I'm doing this for my grandmother. I told you I want to build her a very beautiful home. I never want her to sleep on an empty stomach. See, look at what is happening. And they, this big truck yes. delivering bricks, that gives me the motivation to get up and say, I still have a lot to do. There's so many young people that still need to 
realize this dream for their families. And, and, and so that's where I found my motivation. I think if they didn't do so well, it would be difficult for me to, to, to continue to do this. But yeah, my source of pride and, and strength, I, I can never thank them enough. They've given me purpose in life, you know, to, to, to do something that even my, my family, my immediate family and my kids, they, they look up to me and say, mommy, you do a great job. But I do a great job because there is young people out there that make it worthwhile. So I, I owe it to my students. That's really amazing, Noni. Now, it's really obvious that, that money is only a very small part of it. And this is not, it doesn't solve all of the problems. But obviously, there's also that part of it. How much does it actually cost to support a CLEF student for the year? And um, how can our listeners contribute if they want to make, help make a difference? I want to say that in, in order for, for, for me or for the team at Africa Foundation to be able to do this and um, for, for these young people that um, have dreams, um, the finances are unfortunately an important role and a bursary costs $3,200 per year per student. And that's partial funding that will cover tuition, it will cover uh, accommodation Mm -hmm. and some meals. And I just want to to say to our listeners that $3,200 will get us to fund a year of one student in university. You know, a hundred thousand US dollars will get us to fund a couple more <laughs> students. A million will really, you know, take us halfway because the, the need is greater. But having said that, a hundred dollars, a ten dollars will it also make a difference. It goes into mm-hmm. the bigger pot. It all helps. So the donation, big or small, that is not significant so any amount of money will be used wisely and will be used to empower these young people thank you nani now it's obvious the way that you speak about your babies you're really really passionate about them and i'm sure that this is kind of like asking if you've got a favorite child but is there one student's story or one student that stands out so clearly to you, whose story you'd like to share with us? You, you are right, Kes. Um, <clears throat> as a mother, hey, all your kids are your, your, your favorite kids. They're all, you know, they're all unique. Hey, like I say that I know them, all of them by their names and yeah. their backgrounds. Um, it's difficult to pick one, mm-hmm. but I have a story for every region. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of a, of a story of a young boy that um, I interviewed. And, um, you know, I'm asking, you know, background. So who do you live with? No, I, I, with my mom. What does your mom do? Uh, she's unemployed. She sells, you know, sweets uh, on the side of the road. And you're dead. I do not know my father. I actually do not have a father. Okay. How is that even possible? You've never heard about your father. Nothing's like, no, haven't. Mm-hmm. Well, this young man was fortunate enough to be awarded the bursary, went on to study um, a degree in um, 
mechanical engineering in one of the universities here in Job. Six months down the line, he gives me a call. It's like, ma'am, you won't believe it. In yes. fact, I want to come and see you at your offices. I'm like, come. He comes. The first thing that I noticed is that he was wearing one of the fashionable uh, Nike sneakers, mm -hmm. the latest ones, because my daughter had been crying for them. For, so I had become aware of that there is this particular sneaker. And, uh, and I said yes. to him, oh, you're looking very smart. That's a very expensive sneaker that you're wearing. <laughs> Where did you get that? Because I'm concerned now. You won't believe it. This is the story, ma'am. My father looked for me. My father heard that I've got a bursary and I am starting towards the mechanical engineering. And he came to look for me. <laughs> he's the one who bought me this pair of sneakers. And he's been showing me all my family, showing me all his friends. You know, he called me his son, who is an engineer. So what? <laughs> so what the bursary does, and this is just one of the many stories of how, you know, the bursary has reunited um, our students with their parents, with their fathers. You know, we're living in a world where we have so many absent fathers, fathers that uh, run away from your responsibilities. And one thing that this bursary has done is that once <laughs> these students become successful, their parents seem to, you know, all of a sudden appear from nowhere. But it's a good thing. We, we are reuniting mm -hmm. families. And I started to look at my job <laughs> in that way. I'm like, hmm, I'm not only <laughs> enabling these young people to get an education and, you know, succeed in life, but I'm also reuniting families. I should put that in my CV. Absolutely. <laughs> Money, you also, um, you must travel a great deal to, to interview and to meet all of these CLEF students. Do you have a favorite travel story that you'd like to share with us? Oh, there are so many, hey? Because <laughs> I can tell you of many hours spent in airports with no air conditioners at 40 degrees. <laughs> I can tell you of stories of missing flights. <laughs> I, I can tell you stories of driving through the Serengeti and, you know, experiencing the, the, the migration mm -hmm. and, you know, being stuck in the middle of Serengeti with no spare wheel for a couple of hours and just wondering when we're going to get to our destination. I can also tell you stories of getting to the end beyond lodges after a very tough day in the community wow. interviewing students under a tree in like 40 days hit and you you get to the lodge and the end beyond stuff with their um beautiful smiles having run your bath mm. and welcoming you with a nice refreshing drink so it's been it's been uh, an experience of you know both worlds it's exciting sometimes it's difficult but i'll, I'll tell you of being in um very difficult, uncomfortable situations where you get to some communities. There's one mm -hmm. community in particular uh, near the um, Serengeti under canvas. Um, uh, the end beyond has the Serengeti under canvas um, uh, camp, where that community still very much practices female mm -hmm. um, genital mutilation. And being in that interview where a young girl that had escaped um, 
a year ago from that um, ritual, he heard about the Besar and came to, 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 to the interview. Mm -hmm. And because of the language barrier, I didn't know what was happening, but I could tell that there was a bit of shift in the, in the room. And then afterwards, my colleague tells me that you saw that young, that old man, when he started, you know, pointing his finger mm -hmm. uh, at, at, at the, this girl that we're interviewing, I was like, yes, it's like he was threatening that girl to say, you've come back, we are still waiting for you. You know, you thought you could yes. escape, you know, um, going through the womanhood initiation. You've come back to the community. Today we are going to make sure that you go through that process. And when we went back to the interview, I made a decision that this girl's fees was going to be paid that same day. Mm -hmm. and she was going to leave the community that same day and make her way to the wow. college that same day. She's graduating this year, having completed a nursing degree. And the highlight for me was last year when I went back to that community, the father of that young girl came to me and gave me a hug. Mm -hmm. And because again of language barrier, my colleague had to translate yes. and say that um, the father is actually oh. saying, so much for for risking your life for 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 my daughter and he actually gave me a different perspective i've always assumed that that initiation process is mostly driven by men mm -hmm. but it turns out it's the women that want their girls to go through it because they fear being losing their respect or their status in the community if your girl doesn't go through it. So it means you didn't raise a good enough girl who is going to be somebody's wife, who's going to be a woman, who's going to be respected in the community. So you find mothers are the ones that push their girls to go through it so that they can be regarded as having succeeded in raising, you know, childbearing good women it's not actually the man. So that, that was a culture shock and a change of perspective because I've always thought that it's driven by men, but it's actually the women that want themselves to go through it. So yes, my baby is graduating this year and the community is fine with it now. You know, she can make her own decision. That's an absolutely amazing story. Yeah. Noni, it, it's been absolutely wonderful and I could sit here and talk to you all day. One last thing before you go, can you just share the website address where listeners can find out more about CLEF and Africa Foundation? To learn more about Africa Foundation or to contact us or to donate or to just get hold of us, you can go to www.africafoundation.org.za africafoundation.org.za and I am available for any questions. Fantastic. Um, my email address is nonsansa at africafoundation.org.za Now, thank you so much, Cash, for giving me the opportunity to share with the world mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Noni. It has been an absolute, absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to and Beyond Fireside Chats. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. If you have any comments or feedback, or would like to suggest a topic for us to talk about, drop us an email at firesidechats at 
We'd love to hear from you.